and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing one of the greatest rock and roll frontmen of all time from one of the most legendary rock and roll bands of all time on lead vocals. You know it. It's Bono. 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 What can you fucking say about Bono? <laughs> Bono has some things to say. Bono has some th- things to say. He's uh, got a couple yes. things to say. Uh, what? Just cl- the most classic, like front man of a band that has like world-spanning fame, power, quality. Yeah, and still like just one of the most normal style bands of all time. You yeah, know? yeah. I've d- I've never known a world without. Bono. Bono. We we were born into Bono's world. We were, we what was what's the Bane thing? Like you were <laughs> you were, you adopted the you dog. Adopted you really adopted the Bono. <laughs> you adopted. Bono. I was I was, I was born, I was into, born it. into it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so it's been a minute since we've done. Sorry, an, an intro. Wait, but, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize. No, you, I'm not gonna apologize. No, these, these come out when they come out. Um, but the reason is because this is a big one. This is a heavy hitter. It's it's a like. One of the top guys to address in the canon of rock music, and it's a a big, thick, chunky book. Yeah, a a thick and hearty book that uh, that Molly. This is absolutely not like any blame blame or anything. Totally understandable. It's taken a while to ingest, digest, and then read regest the notes uh, of of the book. I read this book over Christmas, twenty twenty two. It is now Saturday, April twenty ninth. Uh, 2023. So it's been, it took a while for me to, yes. and you'll see why as we get into this, this is absolutely going to be a two-parter uh, because it would be a an insult to Bono's effort in writing this to not give it its full due. Hey, we gave Travis Barker two episodes. Yes, and when we were Surely still figuring we can out give what the, what the fuck we were doing with uh, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we did that. Yeah. Anyway, the thing is though, is that Bono is really a two-part figure, and this is one he of is. the things that makes us so interesting, is that there is the part of Bono that is Bono, the musician, the mm-hmm. frontman, the songwriter of the band U2. U2. One again, one of the biggest rock bands of all time. Yeah. And then there is the part of Bono that is uh a a, a name that we've last invo- invoked with Bjork. Another person who we were intimidated to tackle. Uh Truly a global citizen. Yeah. Uh, a, a dignitary. A dignitary. A public Literally intellectual. An ambassador. Yes. An ambassador yes. For, um, you know, good, I guess. Yes. A, a philanthropist deeply enmeshed in a uh, a bizarre and very high level world of politics, philanthropy, international relations. Yeah. This guy has had the actual physical ear of three different American presidents. Yes. Like hung out with them, made some demands, got them. Like, hey, he, he has, he's not even from here. <laughs> he's he has, from Ireland. <laughs> he has exerted policy control over the U.S. government. Should, which is <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining, because <laughs> obviously Donald Trump is in this book as kind of like the end point of his, yeah. you know, uh, not end point, but... He, you know, he's like, we tried with the Trump administration, but obviously, uh, d- you know, roadblocks there that we couldn't have anticipated. <laughs> it would have been funny if Trump had posited him as like a foreign threat, like a terroristic threat, uh, uh, you know, foreign influence. Bono, we can't yes. have it here. I, I meant to look this up before beforehand. Um, 
Yeah, you're you're trying to figure out whether I, he was on the Lolita Express. Yes, I I don't think that there's ever no. been any conclusive. He's not on the flight log. Bono Epstein connection, but he is one of the most Epstein coded individuals on the on Earth who has not been uh, conclusively linked In this to, book, to Epstein. We get we get name dropped Bill and Melinda Gates. We get Warren Buffett. We get all the players. He is yes. uh, he is in the mix. Uh, and it's crazy to think that uh, that has come from a humble beginning of a, a bunch of Dublin boys playing some post-punk. Yes, one one light on a string in a one-room apartment in in Dublin. Didn't he invoke that when we saw them live? Possibly. I kind of black. So we let's let's well, we've, we've I, got I just, a lot to discuss. So I feel like we yeah. should do the the background well, thing. Yes, I. Uh, I just want to invoke. I was looking up this tweet tweet from uh, my own tweet from 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that, you know, uh, as I started thinking about Bono, um, just in the height of the election, as like Hillary's emails were becoming a huge centerpiece. Yeah. I, of course, went into some of the files and just name searched Bono. Okay. And of course, his name came up. Uh, U2 rocker and philanthropist Bono, also a regular at foundation events, wanted from the candidate Hillary. High-level help broadcasting a live link to the International Space Station uh, during concerts. He's always doing this. Just the fact yeah. that Bono could be asking the Secretary of State to help him broadcast to the International Space Station. He's thinking my, bigger. My joke at the time yeah. was, you always have to ask, who benefits at the end of this? And my God, qui bono? Bono. Bono bono. But when Bono bonos, we all bono. Yes. I would say. Uh, what is your experience with U2? My dad's a U2 fan. Therefore, I'm a U2 fan. You inherited, inherited it from your father. I I grew up listening to U2. Early U2 faves would be like a Sunday bloody Sunday. Because the early shit is just so good. The 80s stuff is so good. But then, you know, I was a conscious human. And I think probably the first contemporaneous album they put out mm-hmm. when I was a kid was Pop. Which is not not an iconic. <laughs> it's la- later than Octung Baby, and uh, not not quite all that you can't leave, leave behind. <laughs> but then, but yeah, but by the time I was an adolescent, Bono was essentially you know kind of like a representative of yes, fr- like freedom and peace. Like I, I was, you know, I saw the Live Aid uh, performance. I I was aware of the Bono iconography, the mullet, yes. the waving the the flag, or like. At one point, he had like an Irish flag that he like ripped in half and only had the white part that was supposed to be like <laughs> the peace, the peace part of it. We'll, we'll get into we'll get uh, into yeah, that. a little bit of their their take on Irish yeah. politics. But which... I've I've always liked I've always liked you too. It's you know it becomes more. I'll bring up the word cringe. I feel like it becomes more cringe to be into you two over time, and yes. they've obviously done some stuff that uh you know just culturally is deeply corny. But I don't really care. I'm I'm basically yeah I'm a YouTube person for life I love all four of those boys and I've seen them twice in concert once with you uh, unfortunately we were on probably the two I would say not the least scintillating tour we saw them on the Innocence and Experience tour and on the Experience plus Innocence tour <laughs> we did not see them play the fucking Joshua Tree which, which they ran yes. around in between and did and I, that's what I should have seen yes. But fantastic live show. It was still great. We saw you two play live uh, when AOC won her primary. The night AOC the night, won. Yeah. <laughs> like the show wrapped. I pulled my phone out and I was like, oh, oh shit, damn. AOC won. And I was like, oh man, maybe we should have had her on the show when she was a candidate. <laughs> we should have t- we should have said yes to that yeah. email. Anyway, that's that's me and you two. How do you feel? Um, okay, so I did not 
again, my my coming to music was very idiosyncratic because I didn't have any siblings and my uh, parents didn't really impart anything on me. Uh, So I only knew of U2 from the stuff that was hitting on MTV like post-2000. So like Beautiful Day, Elevation, Vertigo. Oh, right. Yeah, they had a huge huge push again with the Vertigo yeah. and how to dismantle an atomic bomb and the iPod. and The iPod, you know, all that stuff. And, you know. Red. Coming into them with like basically the same cultural weight of them uh, on them as like the Rolling Stones or something, even though they're yeah. from a very different generation. You know, they were kind of just largely categorized into in my, my young head as like boomer rock bands. And, you know, I honestly... I enjoyed those songs they you know i think vertigo low-key low-key bangs high key uh and it's a good riff. you know but i wasn't like i wasn't super into them the thing that really got me to seriously consider you two was uh scott ackerman and adam scott's great podcast you talking you two to me we must pay respect to which, the, the uh, greats i was very into when that was coming out and i honestly is just S tier podcasting. That whole show really is good. Not only good about you two, but just so fucking funny uh, the entire time, and so high low concept. And the Scots' like <laughs> sincere love of you two, mm-hmm. and the way they talked about it in uh, a like they know it's funny to be so into you too, but also they're very sincere and, and sweet about it. Yeah. Really got me to consider the greatness of you too. <laughs> wow. That's, that's and the power of podcasting. It is the power of podcasting. Honestly, you talking you too was a huge inspiration for like starting this show. Yeah. 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 Uh, much love to that show. If you've not listened to it, it's a fantastic listen. What was the secondary thing that they did? They, uh, <laughs> they started doing red pod chili casters, red pod chili casters. And they listened to the first, album and decided that it sucked and then just started talking about how much they love talking heads and so it turned into you are talking heads to my talking head or okay. something like but that. But didn't they also do like REM are like are you talking REM re me? Yes, I think that or was something the like third that. One. Yeah. Anyway. Uh shit. start with the U2 one. Anyway. Yeah. So that got me to really seriously consider them and form a sincere appreciation for their music, the arc of their career the scope of what they've done, and just how much they rock. Yeah. Good band. Good band. Good band. All the stuff that they've done in the 21st century where they're like chasing the dragon of being the most important band on earth is unfortunate because it does dovetail into this like like their earnestness, their sincerity, but also the desire that everything they do must be the absolute biggest. Yeah. Like that is the intersection in which the cringe lies. Yes. Where it is like embarrassing being like uh, like... You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it more uh, uh, later, but one of the most misguided moves in all of popular music ever, the forced giveaway of the U2 album on the everyone's iPhones. We'll talk about that. Again, from coming of a place of total sincerity and generosity of being like, we don't even need album sales. Everyone on earth can just have our album as a gift and it being universally received as a bizarre, icky, uh, infringement on like privacy and like basically waking up in the morning and Bono's in your room being like, "Have you listened to my album? Yet? <laughs> Do you like it?" And I ra- I started writing about uh Joey the, Ramone. <laughs> I, I, I will say that heroes of my youth. Why, this is an awful yeah, impression. Which, I, I'm not even going to try to do Irish, no. Irish impressions, but. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on this for now is 
Have you, heard, have, have you heard of Joey Ramon? Have you heard of Joey Ramon? Have you heard of the Ramon? Can I tell you about Joey Ramon? The reason I was thinking about this was last winter when we were visiting my mom that we got into her car and her car stereo is like linked by Bluetooth to her phone and she's like 70. She, like, she's got it all working, which is great, but she like we get into her car and the fucking ballad of Joey Ramone starts playing mm. automatically off her phone on her car stereo. And she's like, why does this song, this U2 song that I've never heard of start playing every time I get into my car? And I'm like, because of that thing, 15 years ago, little old ladies across the world are being tormented by a YouTube B or a YouTube B side yeah. every time they get into their cars that they cannot fix, that they cannot stop, that they cannot prevent. It's wild the persistence of that terrible decision. Yeah, it is. I, I would it it certainly has, I think, contributed to their current the perception of them. Yes. Um, but if there's anything that we know about uh U two and Bono in particular, it's that there's always room to change up the narrative. There's always room to change the narrative. Speaking every, of every which. time you think he's a good boy, a little Macfisto might get in there. Yes, a little, or the, the fly. All right. Let's get into it. Let's Tell, get into Bono. Literally, let's get inside Bono because it starts with a, a heart surgery that he has. Ooh, that's start, a good in media res. We start uh, you know, with a laparoscopic camera literally inside Bono's chest. Z- zoom out Bono's chest cavity. Appar- okay, so Bono, um, Paul David Hewson, Born May 10th, 1960 in Dublin. Uh, This book kicks off in media res in surgery, which I did not realize was a reveal that we did not know that Bono had gotten very important heart surgery in 2016. Until until this book came out? Yes. Uh, After which the surgeon reports, we needed extra strong wire to sew him up. He's probably at about 130% of normal lung capacity for his age. Uh, which, but listen, Bono's a self-aware guy. He knows that he is literally full of hot air. And he, that is a good joke. He's a, uh, he's, he, a blowhard, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, that he's long-winded, uh, that he's got a lot to say, <laughs> and he's going to say it very loudly. He knows. Yeah, okay. You don't have to tell. He, he knows who he is. That is the first step to making me li- like him a lot more. A little self-awareness goes a long way to be a uh, to to salving a uh, hyper sincerity, yeah. uh, you know, Mister. I can I can fix the world. Yeah. Um, and by the way, this I don't think we actually said the title of the book. This is Surrender of uh, 40, 40 Songs, One Story. <laughs> so it's split up with uh, 40 chapters with different songs. And each chapter is a and song. And it semi-relates to it, but it's also more or less a front-to-back like memoir uh, that covers his almost his entire life, vignettes from his entire life. You get the sense that he could do like a full My Struggle and do like many volumes of this. From Boy to Bomb, How to Dismantle an Atomic. Again, I don't. I can't remember if I'm stealing jokes from yeah. you talking you two to me because that is the tenor of the, their entire mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, ba- Bono's born in Bublin, 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 Dublin. Uh, he's born. In, <laughs> <laughs> he's born in Dublin. Catholic dad, Protestant mom. He uh, solves the dialectic. This is so. This is a, important. We're, the main theme I think we need to think about Bono throughout this conversation is that Bono is the ultimate centrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is about seeing both sides and trying to find a compromise. Yes, uh, and that <laughs> comes from literally having yes. parents on the opposite sides of a conflict that he grew up in the middle, which is you know the troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
don't have to get too political here. I don't, you know, we don't have to get into Republicanism versus uh, all you need to know is, is that, that there were some troubles. There were some troubles and they were in Dublin. So I feel like the, the worst of it was in Northern Ireland. Yes. Uh, but, Bono, you know, Bono does. There's violence. There's a bombing at a, mm. you know, a place that he he would have been at if the, his bus hadn't been on strike mm. that day. So, like, he's he's growing. Classic European problems. Yeah. Gro- growing up steeped in this in this stuff for sure. Um, but then his dad is also, you know, obviously working class family, but his dad goes to the ballet and buys opera records. Hey, it's Molly from the edit. I said Bono's family's working class. I think he was more middle class. I just wanted to self-correct. Uh, he's a tenor also. He's a tenor singer. And the theme of the book is Bono is trying to strive to be a tenor mm-hmm. and that he's like, uh, he's a baritone who thinks he's a tenor. Uh, and so there's like some fighting your dad type of themes yes. in there. And uh, his his dad, it sounds like he is always, he wants to sing and he's loud and that's like his whole thing. But his dad almost kind of ignores, purposefully ignores his talent and his desire to be that kind of a star. And that's what kind of like, that's one of the things it. that I think is most interesting about Bono is that even at the height of their success, like established long-term success and acclamation and, um, critical praise Bono always 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 comes off as a guy who's trying to be another type of guy yeah or a different type of guy or a better type of guy mm-hmm. like there, there's something about him that he never quite feels totally comfortable in whatever he's doing in the moment he's trying to be yeah. to project a different but he's way. aware that it's it persona is performance yes you know? exactly and he's a good he's a performer yeah and I I, I and I, that is not like it's critical. It's just like part of his whole thing is is a striving, yeah, a constant ambition to do. It's very Irish. more, yeah. No matter how good or like successful the thing that he is mm-hmm. doing is already is, yeah. Very portrait of an artist as a young man. Yes, shit. Uh, he and the other you know kind of central event of his childhood slash adolescence is his mom dies. Uh, she has a brain aneurysm, which occurred at her own father's funeral. Jesus So Christ. there's just like <laughs> loss stacked up on top of loss when he's 14 years old. And he says that when she died, she was never spoken of again. Whoa. Like basically he, he had a brother and his dad and they just like never, it was never like, Oh, I miss, I miss mom. I like, this yeah. reminds me of her just never like it just black. We, we, we don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, he, which, you know, obviously he, he then eventually deals with in his songs. Uh, he gets his name Bono, uh, his friend Gucci <laughs> gives him the name Bono Vox of O'Connell street. Uh, there's a hearing aid store in town called Bo- Bonovox. Bonovox. So he calls him Bo- Bonovox. Um, he n- has never aspired to have a real job. The closest he gets is selling calendars door to door in in his neighborhood. He says, I've often said that I come from a long line of traveling salespeople and I still consider what I do sales. I sell ideas, I sell songs, and occasionally I sell merchandise. <laughs> uh, another important thing, Bono, it's funny that you put him as like someone who's kind of constantly striving to be who he is, to embody something, because he's also been this guy mm-hmm. you two is high school friends and he's married to a chick that he met in high school that is the other totally remarkable thing about you two is for a band that big for that long that it has always been 
four guys. Four guys. Just four guys who have known each other since they were little kids. Yeah. It's and the it's Red like, Hot Chili Peppers thing, it, too. Yeah. It's like, well, even the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they cycled through a bunch of drummers That's true. for a bit. And, jo- and John also and John, came and the, in and out. Yes. Yeah. I, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers is Flea and uh, yeah. and, and Keeds, yeah. Anthony Kiedis. Did they have other drummers? Other yeah. Chad? The, yeah, no. the, they had the guy who composed uh, all the synth music for Drive. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least on like the first the first two albums all or right. something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it took okay. it, like three hour uh, albums to get Chad. Yeah. Oh, and then they had the uh, guy who died. Yeah. Hill Slovak. Slovak died. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about. We're not talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. We're not talking about them. We're not Red Pod Chili casting. Yeah. Yeah. That that is the completely one of the most completely remarkable things about that. Like almost every every other band of that size and that duration has gone through even if it's minor lineup changes on the end mm-hmm. or like at some point like oh now we have a horn section or something you know and i'm sure they played with other musicians but no u2 is those four guys and has been since they were like 14 not not only did he both meet his wife that he's still married to and meet you know get in his band that he's still in uh the same week he formally asked ally uh out mm-hmm. he joined you too after seeing Larry Mullen Jr. Uh, call for drummer seeks musicians to form band. So whatever was happening planetarily at this yes, time. Uh, stars were aligned. Let me just give you a sampling. Big, of Big week for Bono. Big week. Uh, let me give you a sampling of his writing style uh, talking about um, Allison, his uh, GF turned life partner. My friend Reggie was giving me a lift home when I saw a kind of vision of Allison Stewart crossing the school square. Maybe it was the exhaust fumes of the two-stroke petrol engine (laughs) refracting the image, but she appeared to float, turning to water in my mind, the coolest, clearest, stillest water. The heat haze made a mirage of her, and in that moment I was in the desert, a parched wayward soldier (laughs) like those I'd seen in some art movie about the French Foreign Legion. As if on horseback, I rode out of the gates of Mount Temple, holding on tight to Reggie's good judgment. It was a different song in my head that day, probably Schools Out by Alice Cooper, but please substitute the undertones teenage kicks if you need a soundtrack for this moment i knew i had to ask the future out on a date is every fucking sentence in this book like that more like them than not no he's oh what a corny motherfucker I but he had the heart of a poet he is i'm very pleased to report that bono is one of the biggest wife guys that i've ever seen <laughs> uh in written form he yes. is he is obsessed with his wife uh which honestly it sounds like with good reason she sounds like a cool chick I mean, again, it's remarkable that you can get that famous and, ha- and hang that well with your childhood sweetheart wife forever. That, I, to me, that speaks something good about yes. both of them. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. There's a lot of stress on a re- relationship like that. Yeah. Um, no, that uh, there's. I love that, that that in that one paragraph, there's like 17 metaphors and like yeah. <laughs> allusions on top visions. of each other. Yeah. You're in the desert, but also watching the desert in a movie theater. In a movie. <laughs> that. And it's not really the desert. It's the fumes of the two-stoke petrol. Yeah. It's like... He soundtracks it twice. Yeah, it's so he said, It's like, you might imagine one song, but no, wait, imagine another song instead. <laughs> ba- Bono is uh, upholding a an amazing tradition of um, Irish writers who can't shut the fuck up. <laughs> that is the main thing, which I can say that. I wrote my college thesis on Ulysses by James <laughs> Joyce. That's the best thing about Irish people. And you hear it now. We're podcasting. Yes. Man, man, this guy can't shut the fuck up. Irish people know. Uh, narrative we, we in Ulysses talk. by Molly Mary O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> we can't shut up. The one time that we've been to Ireland, when we got engaged. engaged. The, like, shout out to all our, our Irish listeners and all the Irish people in the world, really. <laughs> 
We, we love you, you guys. You sound like David Guetta. Guetta. Shout out to all the Irish, the Irish people. people. Uh, that it, every, <laughs> everything that I've ever thought about Irish people was confirmed by just being there for like four days. It was such a trip. Every time we were like hanging out with people, Molly and I just ended up in the corner of everything because just getting in conversations with all these delightful Irish people who are just like motor mouth talking at you. We got to gotta go back and hang out with more Irish people. I had a great time. Um, Bono recalls U2's first ever practice. Uh, David Evans, a.k.a. The Edge, had bought his first guitar uh, when he was in America on like a, a tourist trip. It was a Gibson Explorer, the same shape as his head, <laughs> with a big chin and a cone brain. <laughs> like, he's so weird. Uh, he says, Edge is a minimalist by nature. I'm a maximalist. Edge is the silence inside every noise. He's the, <laughs> he's the light inside the paint. The it's, light inside. Oh, my it's God. His style is very much like, what can I even say about this guy? He's the light inside the paint, you know? Mm. Uh, he said, Adam Clayton couldn't play but was a true believer in rock and roll. He says, Larry is a shy guy. Why would a shy fella put a sign on the school notice board inviting musicians to jam in his kitchen? I'm very glad he did. <laughs> and then he described this, these early sessions. He says, punk rock slapped me on my naked arse and I just started wailing, almost in tune. <laughs> uh, they write, I will follow, like pretty early. That's like one of their earliest bits of song craft, mm-hmm. which uh, should we should we listen to it? Uh, yes. It's funny that he says a Gibson Explorer is the same space, shape as his head because have you ever seen a Gibson Explorer? No. It's like an off kilter. It's like an ang- it's literally an angular guitar. Yeah, it's a very angular guitar. Well, maybe he has an angular head. I never think of the edge's head as as angular. Yeah. Well, I usually think of it wearing a, a skull a yes. skull cap. Always thinking about moms. Yeah. I would call this song a very competent mid-level like 80s new wave song you i know? would describe this as it's this is the essential u2 song yeah in a way yes in a way they have never stopped doing this <laughs> this is the they've they've have the essential nature of themselves the guitar tone the particular speed of it the uh like the drumming the chimey things. The, uh, every time I hear Bono's this song, that song again, I, I remember remember anew how much the chimes are just going, the glockenspiel is going wild on this track. 
<laughs> You're going crazy on the Glocks. The and the the bass yeah, that's kind of doing the like counter melodic yeah. thing. It's dramatic and earnest, but simple. But simple, yeah. Your eyes make a circle. Damn. <laughs> it goes. It, re- it, it really does. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, you could just, like, it, it, it's always funny, like trying to think of these things out. Like, if if this was, you could imagine this being like a a one hit wonder, like b- like post punk tune from just like the morass of like eighties British post punk bands. You I know, think maybe we just heard too much other eighties music that we think this doesn't sound special when it is special. I think. Right out of the gate, I will follow. Not not too shabby. Yeah. Um, the the other thing, just to briefly mention, is that while they're in the their early days of the band and figuring things out, they are a part of a, a group of they get involved with a group of Christian radicals called Shalom. Oh God! <laughs> uh, that were quote practicing a kind of naive first century Christian life. So, like the the other thing point to say is that. Not, not a, I I forget the breakdown of Catholic versus Protestant. I think there's some of each, and then there's one one guy who is an atheist. But uh, the religion is always always part of their their early nature. Mm-hmm. And Bono is a religious guy. Is he Catholic or Protestant? <sighs> what I mean, what is he? he? Doesn't I don't think he goes to Matt. I don't think he's a practicing Catholic. I think he's just. But he is like. At, <laughs> spoiler alert like he goes to the jordan river and like his whole family gets in and they like kind of (laughs) baptize themselves in like 2016 like he's he's in it but i don't know what the flavor is and i guess that's kind of the point i mean i know that uh, it must be very complicated for a an irishman of of his age but you know my understanding is like the practice is one thing but it's also kind of like you know, you're 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 basically like ethnically Protestant or Catholic as well. You know, Christian Today magazine in 2017 <laughs> has Bono converted to Catholicism. An investigation. It showed him uh, getting getting a, a communion during Catholic mass the morning after performing in Bogota, Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I, I we don't know if anyone has any more intel. I just don't. He doesn't ever say I am a Catholic in this that I was aware of. He's yeah. just a god. He's a god aware man. <laughs> aware of God. Yeah. All right. So then, early in their career, they're also introduced to Paul McGinnis, who is their future manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Paul's an icon. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, but while they're kind of dancing around whether or not he's going to manage them, Bono and Ali go to London by themselves to shop around U2's demo tape. Uh, How old is he? At least he's like 18, like 18 at this, or yeah, something. Like, like, like he's 78 or 79 or something. Yeah. Um, so he's just total balls to the wall, like shows up in London. He goes to see Chris West, Chris Westwood at the record mirror, a, a 
music paper and he drops off his tape and he says, I'll be back in an hour. We're from Dublin and only are here for a few days. So I just need to know what you think, if that's okay. <laughs> like he was just going to people, you know, like this is a time when you could just do that. <laughs> he called John Peel at home. <laughs> he like got John Peel's home number, which possibly, apparently John Peel never warmed to you too. I, I feel like... What I know about Peel's taste, I feel like uh, U2's a little too uh, sincere and earnest. I think uh, uh, Peel likes a little uh, ornery or, you know, he's like a fall guy. Yeah, yeah. He likes a little more friction. Yeah. Yeah. Insouciance. Bono says, Edge has always had the best say on people who don't like U2. They're just not trying hard enough. (laughs) He deadpan. Honestly, like, that's kind of where I I was. And it, it is... Silly to fall back into YouTube through a comedy podcast, but it, but you know, listening to fifteen hours of podcasting because you like the comedians on it, mm-hmm. and that getting you into YouTube—that is the weird try-hard way to get into YouTube. You yeah, know? you try, you tried. Yes, uh, they finally lock Paul McGinnis down. Uh, they go to his house, and uh, you know these are young, hungry, uh, skint boys. But he's Bono is basically kind of like, can I raid your fridge? And Paul's like, sure. And he's like, oh, this cheese is kind of weird. It's really hard, but I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just try to make a cheese sandwich out of this. And Paul McGinnis is like, you made a Parmesan cheese sandwich. (laughs) 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 These guys had no idea what was going on. Uh, Paul. McGinnis is described as an impressive, even scary man who looked as if he belonged astride a great horse, a man not born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but absolutely sure he would be feeding us with one. <laughs> uh, you need that, the, the confidence of a salesman. Yeah. It sounds like these are guys are all are all ready, ready to sell. Yeah. Um, they they go for a, a UK tour right before they're supposed to leave. Uh, the Edge is uh, riding in a car and gets thrown through the windshield. I think Adam is driving uh, and he's all like busted up and he just goes anyway uh, <laughs> with his hand like ripped open or whatever. Does he refer to Edge as Edge, not the Edge? Yes, he, he does refer to him as sometimes just Edge. Edge. Which I think is cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, moment of... That's the Edge to, if you don't know him well, to his friends, he's just Edge. Edge. Uh, they don't get a record deal off of playing around on that tour he says, the kind of brokenness that was our band on that first injurious tour of the UK has always been part of our appeal. There is something about our band that can never be too cocky or cool. Our best work is never too far from our worst. And when we get too professional or too hip, our audience seems to shrink. It's as if we need to be up against the odds. I, again, he like always... You, you know, that Again, another part, part of it is part of that striving thing is that they like... There's something about them where they can always project themselves as the underdogs, even when they are like the biggest. Yeah. Band. Which, and, and sometimes that's obnoxious, you know, sometimes yeah. you just have to like buddies, take the W you, you are the overdogs, but you know what they don't do, which I appreciate is at least not to my knowledge is that they don't do the sore yeah. winner thing that, uh, uh, um, you know, pop stars may not be named do where it's like, Oh, yeah. I have the number one album in a million countries, but yet I'm under attack and, uh, I would yeah, get, yeah. so I'd sell much more if I were a man or whatever. Yeah, 
uh, they don't do that. Yes. Kind of an interesting play that eventually gets them the attention of Island Records and then a record deal. They play the National Stadium in Dublin, okay. which is the capacity is like thousands and they just announce it as a free show. Like it's there. It's it would be like um, 95 Bulls playing. Uh, <laughs> um, I like, don't know. Like the, te- the tennis arena or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just being like we this this is for free. Everyone come through. It's it almost like he said it wasn't you two fans who went to that show. It was just people with nothing else better to do, which reminds me of like Fugazi shows. Yes, exactly. You'd be like, well, this show's five bucks. I don't and even the, fucking like this band. It's the only thing to do. It's in the only town. thing to do tonight. Let's go. Uh, so that gets them. It that is gets also them the funny, deal. It is also funny thinking of like an Irish, how, how big and daunting it must feel like for an Irish band to like, okay, we're going to do a UK tour. And I'm sure they did like a bunch of dates, but it is also like, you know, you're touring an entire country that is basically like driving from like here to Buffalo. Yeah, you know? I mean the yeah the it's access is so different. <laughs> You're doing like a regional, a small regional tour in yeah. America. Yeah, well that's why England's so so weird. It's yeah. like a whole country, but it's so small. Yes, and they have like a million newspapers about music. <laughs> yes, the perfect country. So yeah, then they they record uh, boy Steve Lillywhite uh, gets in the picture. He's described as a, a kind of synonym for us. What a crazy name Lily, Lily White, White is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bono tries to style his voice after Susie Sue. You, I was thinking about that when I was when we were talking about uh, I Will Follow. Is like, yeah, you could just like, you know, you, it, like cycle this between like any Su- like Susie and the Banshees yeah. song. It's just like, you know, it, it's in that that whole tone mm-hmm. of, uh, of 80s British post-punk. Uh, as as even they're like getting some, maybe even like some Bauhaus types of yeah type yeah stuff. yeah as they're playing around and getting more attention, uh, Bono says we'd make it our business to stop and talk to sign autographs. We wanted to fuse with our audience in the way no punk band had been able to. This was not just a <laughs> nucleus of unstable atoms banging into each other. This was a gathering of sentient beings who, for those few hours every night, played the most important role in the drama, transporting the band and therefore themselves to some place neither had been before. Mm, inter- bold, bold stance to take. Uh, not a. Uh- berating and fighting your audience and then just getting spit on by them in return. Yeah, he's like, what What if instead of gobbing, what, what if instead of getting gobbed, we hung out with them after yeah, and we're so like, uh, so how are you guys doing? But see, again, that's like, it's, <laughs> it's the the double-edged sword of them being like beholden, beholden to your audience. They do not uh, have a fuck the fans mindset. Yeah, I mean, which look, is what got them so big. So big, but then you, but then you gotta always be the nice guys. Yeah. Uh, which is in its own way, a little bit of a trap. Uh, early Bono is a very intense live performer. He says, why, why was I being such a dick risking the show and myself climbing up onto the balcony? Why was I having a go at the bouncers or making a show out of myself scrambling up some unsecured speaker stack? <laughs> making a show out of yourself. Isn't that the whole point of being in a rock and roll band? I agree. Uh, boy, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there to really, um, to sell the show. Yeah. And then boy, uh, makes it to American college radio. They, um, they come to America to tour for the first time. They get picked up in a limo at the airport and Bono says only in America would they make a car this long. (laughs) It's true. We you do. Know, we do love our our long cars here in, you, in America. You know what we and are missing? We're missing limo culture right now. Yes. When you were a kid, was that not the most amazing? That was a part of being. I want to be rich and famous so I can ride in a limousine. Yeah. I mean, I guess now. No. Now everyone's you know in an Escalade. Escalade. Yes. Everyone's in a big black car. Big black car. 
Bring Which back- is not the same. The cars need to be longer. Yes. Bring back the long car. Cars need to be longer. Party they need bus. to be uh, bussier or boxier. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the Escalade. Bring back the limo. If I ever get a invited to an award show, I'm not taking a black car. I'm taking limousine. a limousine. Yeah. I always liked Bono's look in the I Will Follow video. Again, it's very much like he is trying to be a guy that he is. He's trying to be like a post-punk guy in this, and he, he's not wearing it naturally. Yeah. If you've ever not seen the I Will Follow video, it's it's very funny and corny in the, the an 80s way. They're playing in front of a green screen, and just the record cover of Boy is like awkwardly green screen behind them. And Bono has this like, he's trying to do like a Susie Sue haircut. It looks like he's wearing a wig. He's wearing a uh, <laughs> a asymmetric like buttony sweater and mm-hmm. sweater and like black leather pants <laughs> and like Chelsea boots or yes. some shit. And like doing this like awkward dance. It, it's very, it's cute. It's very cute and, uh, yeah. and awkward, but you, you can see that again, Bono is like trying to be yeah. post punk frontman guy yeah. and he's not wearing it well. And eventually he will wear frontman well, but he's like figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, he also he he gets married um to Allie when they are ages twenty two and twenty one. He lived at home until he got married. Uh, <laughs> he said on his wedding day, my pinstriped morning suit looked as if it had rented me, and I appeared to ah! have, and I appeared to have a badger on my head. Uh, and he describes uh he and his wife on that day as a portrait of two people who couldn't be further from the rock and roll culture that was bringing them celebrity. Two people ready for uh. Less obvious but more dangerous threats. Worldliness, world weariness, the war of attrition, the the world wages on a couple (laughs) as they set out to keep their union. Aw. I don't know. I just love it's. I I feel like Bono is maybe the only man who's ever taken marriage <laughs> at, <laughs> as seriously as it is actually supposed to be. I, I hope that uh, <laughs> if I'm becoming too trad or something in my middle uh, age now, but I'm just like, you know what? Marriage is kind of fucking serious. <laughs> it is kind of like a, you're a holy war that you're, you're waging, waging against the yes. world. You're forming your alliance to uh, to wage to wage war that, against that, the world. At, at that point, is it, but isn't that the point of it? It, you're yeah. like you and I are on a team and literally fuck if, everybody else, else if you're trying to if yes. you're trying to break us down anyway we had a badger on my head yes you do buddy <laughs> the hair is really I mean the hair is phenomenal yeah um uh, also underrated I feel like I say this because my my mom says this is that Larry Mullen Jr. the drummer is very cute he's not just a good-looking guy he's a cute guy <laughs> and he's always been like a cutie anyway that's that's important to to say it's good to have a cute drummer yes uh, all right. Let's get into w- war time. Time for war. Uh, Sunday, bloody Sunday. All musical instruments are useful for love and exhortation. Only one is essential for war: the drums. <laughs> let's kick. Can we kick up some Sunday, bloody Sunday? Yes. Let me. Um. Probably pound for pound, still my favorite U two song because damn that shit goes hard. Yes.
It's alright. This song goes so hard. It is. It does go hard. For having a violin in it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So now they're they're more mature. Bono's found his voice. They've gotten political. You've gotten political. Although you could argue you're you're always political. You're always Every political. band is political. Um, uh, Bono describes the their political, uh, you know, mindset as militant pacifism. Yes. Again, it's like this. It's the centrist thing. It just being like, let's all get along, or else. <laughs> uh, it is you know. When we saw them live, they have this big graphic display when they do this song that's basically, you know, like the murals on Belfast. Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. You know, the famous, like, street mur- murals where they, like, the, and basically, like, <laughs> the the implication of their, their graphic uh, pre- presentation is, is very mu- much like, hey, violence was committed on both sides you know like every everybody's yeah, everybody's yeah. wrong here it, it's which, very much like both sides and uh uh the tr- the troubles which you know i i feel like most people in our our audience would have a uh, a stronger stronger take on but he he's well so there's a single standalone paragraph that i feel it deserves referencing which is that he says the band's deep hope is that ireland will by peaceful and democratic means one day become a united Ireland again. Ironically, we think the biggest obstacle to that end is the weaponizing of grievances by paramilitaries. Interesting. Uh, Bono, Bono is not a paramilitary kind of guy. <laughs> yes. He's not a sectarian violence kind of guy. He would like people in rooms shaking hands. Make it cut, finding common cause. Finding common cause. He likes photo photo opportunities where people are, yes. are together possibly holding holding a flag up mm-hmm. he likes that shit which listen if you grew up and you're like i would prefer no bombs yes. uh well i guess why wouldn't you well it's you not know for me to say. uh yeah i'm again i'm not uh assigning any any blame here but uh you know even with all the paramilitary action all the struggles it do- really does seem like uh england's gonna fumble the bag on their all on their own <laughs> <laughs> after all these years maybe bono will live to live to live to see them uh england tripping over its own dick yeah to a unified Ireland. Yeah, the history of the world is uh, is somewhat the history of England taking taking W's and then taking L's. Yes, exactly. Well, we are in the 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 L stage of of the uh, the English arc of history, and maybe soon to be in the L stage of the American arc of history. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, I mean that's that's the real hope. There's a first like hint of you know real the the future of political Bono where uh, right around in this segment where he recounts a dinner at 10 Downing Street uh-huh. uh, in Tony Blair's third term, uh-huh. where he uh, Tony Blair has to take a phone call and is like, can you let yourself out? And so he finds himself with literally <laughs> like free reign in the prime minister's 
house. He he also brings up, you know, like for for example, he keeps bringing up with compared to the rest of the band, he is the one who is always more interested in reaching out across the aisle and, mm-hmm. and compromise and people not necessarily just being evil political figures and, you know, getting yes. what you can out of them. Uh, he, he says, uh, compromise is a costly word. No compromise, even more so. <sighs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I get, I get it, but it also is, um, the kind of mentality that is very easy to have by a guy who has been in a, a rocket ship of success mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, adoration and respect since he was like 17 years old. Sure. They record the unforgettable fire. They bring in Mr. Brian Eno and Daniel Lenoir. Yes. Uh, Brian abhorred muso talk. We never used the word (laughs) riff. For example, he called it a figure guitar figure. I would think that that is muso talk. He talked not about sound, but about sonics. (laughs) <laughs> is there is there book has Eno ever written a book or that's a good question I mean it's one of those things where I almost kind of like don't want to know you know I, I feel like no, it would not be a a uh, a book as much as like a manual <laughs> <laughs> beep beep boop plug yeah. uh, this in at this frequency uh, you want to pick something from Unforgettable I mean, uh, Fire Fourth uh, of July is always good I like um, da, 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 Pride Okay, here's Pride parentheses in the name, the name of, of love. love let's see if we can hear all those figures we were getting that ringing guitar that the that Thedge Thedge. loves it is true that that you two somehow only become more themselves with every with every yeah song like they continue to drill down into some essential Core you tuness. He says he's pretending to be a tenor. You can tell, like, it's funny. He's he's very self-deprecating about his own vocal instrument. Yeah. There's a line in, um, I think, Vertigo where he says, can't sing, but I've got soul. <laughs> and it's probably, it's, he doesn't have the most, like, technically good voice, but it doesn't matter. But he tries he so tries hard. He tries so hard. <laughs> Which is partially, again, uh, you know, uh, charming about it is that he's uh, you can hear, even, again, even though they're so good, uh, so good and so successful at it, you're always hearing him try. Try. Yes. Trying is cool. There, it's, it's almost always like there's some little, like, lack of confidence in it that's, like, charming. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even after they've been doing it for years and years, it's uh, there's there, that little slight edge in the background of, like, I hope this works. I hope you like this. Mm -hmm. 
It's not like faux modesty at all. It's it is just their terminal, uh, uh, terminal earnestness and sincerity, just like seeping through every note that you uh, two has ever yeah. played. They're very they're they're serious. Yes, people. But to me, that just sets, you know, I feel like something that is maybe missing in like the narratives that get developed by bands and musicians now is that you you have to be one thing before you can like switch it up. Yeah, I just I guess I just miss I miss like eras that are actually eras. Yeah, because like people will be like, I'm in my blah, blah, blah era. I'm like, you've been in that for two days and it's not an era like they basically had to be so serious for an entire decade. Yes. And then they got to change it up and be kind of uh, get a little weird with it. And then everyone's like, wow, what a breath of fresh air. People just don't have you can't drill down and have that commitment anymore to like a mood. Like there's the album cycle, but even album cycles are not, you know, it's so the album cycle thing is it's been so codified and so like, and I suppose it has been for a a long time, but you know, it's so manufactured in a way Mm -hmm. that you, you, you almost, you, you kind of miss the thing of, of a band like you two on the come up getting really successful but still feeling like they're trying to work something out you know yeah. and like figure out exactly how to be like a, a band and then like having an album cycle where it's like no we're changing everything because we like actually need to get away not just because we need like a new font to promote this yes. album yeah yes that, we need that's like right. a new color scheme for the merch yeah no, it's because everyone we I think we are in a an everything everywhere all at once time where everyone needs to be every genre and yeah. every mood to the ex- even to the extent that people are putting out you know songs like here's a song and here's it sped up and here's angry version yeah and here's like chill version <laughs> and that because everyone has to be everything all the time there's no such thing as a reinvention it it makes you miss a time when uh people were one thing for an extended period of time. Therefore the change became interesting. Yes. Anyway, Chris, do they know it's Christmas? Do I, did we ever get an answer to this? Do they know it's Christmas? Yeah. Do we get, do we, do they? Did we get a response? <laughs> did that? Yeah. Uh, did they do a they should do, uh, Africa should do a, a big group album. Like, yes, we know it's Christmas. Yes, we know it's Christmas. We're in, Stop speaking of eras, taking our minerals. we're in the, ph- <laughs> we're in the philanthropy era, which is, is it, this is where we're like really start to ramping up. Yeah. This is um, where the two Bonos begin. Yeah. Although you could argue it's still, it's, it's, more, one, it's guy, more Bono, but, but yeah. it is two tracks. So he convinces his, his wife to go to Central America in 1986. That's an intense time to go there. Intense time to go there. Uh, they're in like Nicaragua. Yeah. He, he's like, we absolutely should not have been there. <laughs> uh, he they go to Ethiopia and they volunteer. Uh, he so Bob Geldof is his Irish peer and he's the one who really is uh, putting together. You know, like there's there's a famine. He's like, what if we didn't have that? What if we could use our power and influence to perhaps we raise some aid money, them aid them in some, some way. kind of live event? And really, it's like he's, a sig- putting, he's putting the do not rock tape over the uh, the volume slider on Queen set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anybody's so, seen that movie? Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about it on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, a million times. Uh, you know, Bono describes the line that he has to sing on Do They Know It's Christmas as uh, troubling. Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. So when he says, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Ah. 
which listen, oh, hear, hear me out. I think it's meant ironically. It's, it's meant some, ironically, yes, and, and it is accusingly. They, you know, the eighties was just a big like consciousness raising time yes. for international troubles. That you know, a couple decades off of America in its own rebuilding after yes. a, a flop era. You know, we were finally like, what's what's going on in other places? Yes. And should we care? <laughs> and Bob Geldof said, yes, we should. But we were still figuring out how to be compassionate without being racist. Without being racist. Which I would say we are, prob- we are still doing. We are still doing. Although I think that the way that uh, it has mutated, we could get into this. And it, other people have articulated this better, is the, uh, the industrialization of... Uh, compassion and philanthropy has made it perhaps less overtly racist but more overtly a scam yeah i mean you you get into things that i i don't think that this maybe generation of people even had as ethical quandaries which is like when we're raising money how much of it is going to people and why how much is paying bob geldoff and his producers yeah sure which I, i don't know whether whether bob profited from this yes uh, but Bob showed Bono that ideas, this is, I think this is interesting, ideas get more authority the better they are described. Okay. You, Bono describes what he does in his life in both music and politics as finding the melody line. You People, okay. people are, as a block, are very stupid. You need to market problems to them mm-hmm. so that you can understand them and then solve them is the oversimplification of something like uh, sending money to third world countries bad yes but do you need people to actually understand in simplest terms what it is before you can figure out how to fix it i would say yes mm-hmm. it's the 80s we're we're still being like oh let's take the pepsi challenge <laughs> let's take the africa challenge um he said live aid and its successive spinoffs raised a quarter of a billion dollars for people whose lives shouldn't depend on charity years later we discovered that the continent of africa was spending that much every week paying back old loans to rich countries who force fed them cash during the cold war. So Uh then he like Bono is getting, he's getting into like the real, the real problems, Mm -hmm. even though his, his solution is always compromise and centrism over Over, revolutionary. Yeah. yeah, It's like the, uh, the violent overthrowing of the neo-colonial yoke by the, uh, united, uh, interests of, of African, pan-African nationalism say. But Bono's solution to this is never the overthrow of of capitalism. (laughs) Let's let's put it that way. Let's work it. (laughs) Hey, hey now. Hey now. Look at all, I raised a quarter of a billion dollars here. There's, there's some good to be done. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. That's just a drop in the bucket compared to everything. But you know, there's some room to move in this, in this whole, uh, capitalist system. He, you know, as they get more and more successful with these releases, he describes uh, having teenage kicks in our mid 20s. We were becoming good at drinking before understanding that some things you shouldn't get too good at. <laughs> uh, they moved to L.A. Uh, after right around putting around uh, out Joshua Tree, which is funny. Imagine being an Irish person who, who moves to Los Angeles. <laughs> He I said, mean, it's, it isn't surprising that they go to that they name the album Joshua Tree because it must have been like, holy shit, look at all these, look at this desert tree. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I guess there's no there's no desert in uh in the green no. uh, aisles of. I've uh, only ever seen emerald hill emerald hills. <laughs> look at the, look at this dirt. It's so <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful. brown. Look at all these rocks. Majestic. Look at these trees. Look at how fucked up they are. 
Should we should we listen to something from the Jar- Joshua tree? Which I know. Sorry, we're not listening. I know we're. Uh, I think we skipped. Did we skip Unforgettable? And we also did like skipped like October and yeah. And which it, we can't hit everyone uh, well, unless yes. we this turned into a YouTube what do you podcast. Think this is? A, a, a YouTube podcast? No, yeah. this is a Bono podcast. Yeah. Uh, where the streets have no name. Yes. Is that? Uh, do you like that one? Yeah. Or should we just do with or without you? No. Streets have where the streets have no name. I'm I'm more interested. I I need to find out where the, where these streets have no name. I believe our uh, friend of the pod, Matthew Perpetua of Flux Blog, has said that he really does not like this extended drony intro. Uh, that it like bugs him. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure he said that. And I disagree. <laughs> There's something just so tantalizing about this lead up. I mean, it's a good album opener. It, it really gets you wondering about this these streets. <laughs> what? It really gets you wondering about these streets. Whereas the trees have one name, Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> Where the trees have one name. Oh, what a, what a riff. Uh, anyway, I also r- always really like this music video where they're like stealing this shot on the top of this building in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Come on, isn't that build up worth it? Yes. Let's just take a minute to shout out uh, U2's rhythm section. I mean, this they would be Adam they'd and, be nothing without yeah, these guys. Adam and Larry, it's it's simple, but it's always just so in the pocket. at all or about his like contemporaries in this book like other musicians not, not a ton it's it, a it's a weird kind of tunnel bit like well that's also kind of some of the things i gathered is that they were always kind of off on their own you know yeah obviously they they have peers but yeah it's never you, you never get the sense that there's like influence well even if they're hanging out it's not like they're like influenced if that makes sense just so crazy it is a wild like, time. everyone was so high on their own supply it was a just a it's such an excessive time yeah 
Uh, good song. I, l- I love it. Uh, I also feel like uh, the seed of every single killer song is in this song. I mean, killers, Coldplay, yeah. like you can't be a certain type of like big, big band without going through the yes. YouTube. It's it's not like hip to cite U2 as an influence. If you like, if you asked uh, Flowers whose guys were, he'd probably say like Springsteen or something. You or know, like Morrissey. Or- yeah, yeah, but like. I'd say like Killers is like pretty clearly the descendant of you of you too, you know. Yeah. What's up? It's Molly from the edit. I went back and fact checked just to see if Brandon Flowers from the Killers has ever copped to you two being an influence. And guess what? They covered a U two song at a live show like last month. They played a St. Patrick's Day show at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut, and they played where the streets have no freaking name. Anyway, that's cool. So scratch that. He clearly there's a connection to be made here, but here's here's a little bit of here's a little snippet of that. Again, the, just the idea that having the ambition to sound big and important yes. was like a cultural goal. Mm-hmm. I just, I wish someone would shoot that shot again. Yes. We're just, we're missing. I know you've, you're on the record as saying that your problem with a lot of like the current style of like indie rock is how apologetic and sheepish it is. Yeah, yeah. Where everybody's like, oh, no one has I'm any. So, oh, I'm so, so I'm sorry. It's sad. Oh, it's a little song. Like, yeah, I, it's, been, <laughs> it's just a little song. I'm, oh, I'm just a little, I'm just a small, small bean indie. Yes. Oh, I'm just a little guy. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh these are my songs about how what, the time I was sad. But uh, then you get someone like Titus Andronicus that's like, we're making a, a yeah. concept album about the Civil fucking War. Uh, which is one of the reasons that I'm so big on fucking Viagra Boys. Viagra Boys. Which are small in their own way because they're just like about being like, I'm a fucking I'm piece big, of shit I'm rolling down the streets. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like, there's a pump to it that I think is really uh really I just, nice. I gravitate toward I'm a big, that. Big big boy. Folks, run don't walk to that Viagra Boys yeah. record. I'm absolutely starved for uh people yeah. who are shooting their shot and being like, I want I want to be iconic. You know, I want to be uh and I guess important. it's like kind of like what a band like maybe like the nineteen seventy five are 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 in that. Yeah. Uh, I know that there there's like a lot of fraught stuff going around there. But I the lyrics are oh well look, we're they're talking about this genre of rock, which is like big stadium rock with rock star pretensions, which is rarer now. Mm-hmm. I of course I think that the like rock music is dead thing is like well, I don't. It, I, at this point, it doesn't even need to be addressed anymore. There's still tons of, of rock bands out there, but that style of like we're big fucking rock band and we play big important emotional songs, uh, it is definitely like its own uh, genre. And I, I guess like yeah, like the 1975 would be one of the newer bands in that mold. Yeah, 
I don't want to do a full roast because you're right. I, they are putting it out there in a very specific kind of way. I guess it's just, you know, you two came at it with a level of abstraction. Yeah. You need you need to go big, but you need some kind of abstraction. Otherwise, you're just being like, QAnon was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a weird thing that, that happened. That was, so that happened. <laughs> Uh, anyway, long interlude about the 1975, but, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling, uh, to get through a little bit more before we call it for, uh, part, part one. Yeah. Uh, they have, uh, Bono and Allie have two daughters in short, uh, uh, succession he said embarrassing was the word I wanted most from their mouths. I wanted them howling and hissing because being a knob is sometimes the job of being a da. <laughs> Uh, good, good take. Yeah, that it's it is what happens when you become a dad. Here's you become a, embarrassing. Here's an anecdote uh, that I really enjoy, which I think says a lot about his marriage. He forgets Allie's birthday one year. She's obviously very upset. Mm-hmm. He makes it up to her by writing her a song, which is the sweetest thing. You know the song, okay. the sweetest thing. Honestly. If you're a professional musician and you're writing a song, is it's kind of your your job. It's like if I like I produce this episode of Chapo Trap House for you. <laughs> would you? Would you? You need to dedicate a random episode of Chapo to me for what? Just it's life not, reasons. I mean, it it is his uh, his love language is, is communicating through songs and poetry. Yeah. But it's also like I mean, you were gonna write a U, another U two song anyway. But here's here's the twist. Here's the gag. He writes the sweetest thing for her. He plays it for her. She loves it. And she's like, well, if you wrote it for me, it means that the royalties are mine to do with whatever I want. And he's like, uh, I've got to check with the band, but sure. And then ever since he wrote it, the royalties are donated to a charity for uh, called Chernobyl Children. Okay. <laughs> because Allie is a huge anti-nuclear activist. Oh, God. Uh, Did she, is she one of the ones who succeeded in denuclearizing uh, Germany? She certainly, she's in the mix. She, uh, you know, Chernobyl happened and I think she went and did some like rescue mission type work stuff in near where that happened. Yes. So she like, you know, she cares, but he, I don't know. He's found his water has found its level. Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the <laughs> nuclear stuff is, is one of those things where like, I obviously get where it came from, you know, cause it's like. You grow up in the shadow of the atomic bomb and you're doing duck and cut. Like it's you're yeah, like, yeah. we should not maybe we shouldn't be splitting these atoms, yeah. you know? Right. It's a it's a heady but, time. Uh, we need nuclear power plants, folks. We do. Well, that's what Bono thinks. So speaking of <laughs> is there some trouble in paradise over whether we should have nuclear reactors? Uh the, it's a it's something that they they might disagree on now. Uh I put in the notes, uh oh, we're doing Ukraine stuff now. Um, oh uh, the name Zelensky gets dropped into this. His book. close personal friend. His close personal friend Zelensky. Uh, Bono met met him way before. Uh, he knew him before he was cool. Before he was cool, he uh, was, he was play, playing his like basement tapes <laughs> when he was just an, <laughs> an up and coming. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, when he was a stand up like comedian. Ad, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an entertainer. I I love Bono. He gave me his first job opening for for him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I believe Bono went to Ukraine in the midst of the like initial when things were first starting to pop off. Like, didn't he play some kind of figurative concert or do some kind of appearance? Yes, something like that. That seems familiar. Let me look that up. Bono in the Edge perform in Kiev subway sta- uh, yes. station in yeah. May tenth. So like when the like when the war within was within the first like month month or two of the war like, starting, less than a year year ago. Which I'm I'm 
I can't re- I don't think I noted it, but my guess is that his feeling on Ukraine is that uh, he supports their unconditional support. And it's at this point in the book that uh, Bono also drops in an anecdote from a 2002 uh, encounter with Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh, he cu- he drops by the Bono household, Bono Alley, the Houston <laughs> household, because they basically just have like open house Sundays. That's like roll through yeah. whatever you you want. Uh, so Gor- Gorbachev, <laughs> Gorbachev shows up at the same time as a Belarusian child who is disabled due to radiation poisoning from Chernobyl. Uh, that she shows up on behalf of his wife, mm-hmm. and so you've got Gorbachev in the same room in as this, this irradiated child. In this irradiated child, uh, and you know, Ali basically asks Gorbachev, like, well, how did how do you feel about the whole Chernobyl thing? And Gorbachev is like, it is at the moment that uh, um, the Chernobyl, you know, disaster happened that I realized that the Soviet Union cannot stand as it was. Oh my like, God, wow. I'm like, why are we having this guy? This is crazy. <laughs> this is, is there like fixing some tea? Yeah, like but you Making got- some Parmesan sandwiches Yeah, you for got him. like a, nu- a nuclear kid on one side and Gorbachev on the other, the, all because- uh, the, old, the, old, the Soviet Union is- no longer stable. Yeah. Okay, it's can crazy. I get you another glass of get you another Coke, man. Shortly after this, there is a segment called Four Screen Grabs of MC Angela Merkel. <laughs> is it Mer- is it Merkel or is it Mer- Merkel? Mer- I look, the one thing I've learned from doing Hell on Angela, Earth is that the best guess with German words is exactly what you it looks Mer- like. Merkel. Merkel. Uh but Bono seems to admire her as a statesman. Is that what you just wrote? Four screen grabs of Angela Merkel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> appar- Angela Merkel Pinger's board, including one of them. Apparently, Bono was in a car that was driving and like pulled up to her like motorcade car, and it was like late at night, and she was illuminated by the glow of a laptop. And he <laughs> and he said to whoever he was with, like, "Damn, uh, uh." Does she not have a fucking life? And he says, this is her life and this is why we love her. <laughs> like the idea that there's a woman who's solely devoted to the state. Yes. That's like a, a I mean, hero yes. to um to Bono. There, you know, there's there's a touch of the just a classic lib in him, right? It's yes, like yes, yes. people who are like he likes workhorses, hard working. Like what are they doing? I look, I like that they're a hard worker. Which is like the median, I, I feel like a median U.S. US voter, voter. Like he looks like he's ready to pull up his stri- his sleeves and really get the job done. Push What's up he his doing? Sleeves, yeah. I, you know what? As, as long as he's working hard, I'm sure we'll fix some problems. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we get to Achtung Baby. Achtung Baby. Which they record uh, in in Berlin in 1990. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like they. Like another, like another thing where it seems like it should be edgy, but it's not like. Not, it's not at all. Octoon, baby. It is funny that like these guys. Like, is this who, a commentary on something? Maybe. Is it? What is it a commentary on? I don't know. It, <laughs> it, 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 you you get the sense that someone was like, you know, I hear it's pretty crazy over there right now. Should we uh go and check it out? Yeah. I we I feel like we are missing the the ver- people are still moving to Berlin now for like a bohemian lifestyle. Yeah, now it's Mexico City. Uh, but the nineties, like a thing for like a bohemian urbane person to do was like move to Prague or yes. move to Berlin or move to, you know, any, any one of those type of, uh, cities that uh, again, I just feel like I'm, I, I miss that, <laughs> that concept. <laughs> they go to Berlin, uh, they, 
he describes this recording process as an invitation to hubris, but some arrogance is essential to the creative process. Arrogance is the exit and entry point to the humiliation that art requires. Yes. Therefore, I feel like Bono I, would agree yeah. that you you have to be as dumb as you want to be. Yes. You have the, to be embarrassing. Yes. One of the 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 hindrances to good art and the uh, uh the hindrances to good art and the allowances for for great art is uh giving in to being as dumb as you possibly can and trying the absolute most. Yeah. And being with being no vulnerable. regard for, uh, for self, self, uh, awareness. Yep. Uh, but they, you know, it's a, a struggle to actually get songs to tape. Um, it sounds like they, they're having a tough time. Uh, and I feel like the, we can li- maybe we can listen to a song or two, but one is the song that he says, the song they, we really needed to hear. Uh, should we play some one or should we just go to the fly? Well, let's go to the fly because we'll we'll talk about his evolution into the f- the character of the fly, the the, the self absorbed, self aware, ironic rock star. Great, I, I do like I do like the fly. Yeah. Oh, that vocal effect! Yeah, I, 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 I do. I like the, how much they're getting weird with it on this one for their, for their on their own sense. But again, it it seems like you know because rock music is going undergoing a transition now. But and so they are. But it really doesn't seem like it's about anything else that's going on. It's like all contained within yeah. you two trying something new. You know? Yeah. It's like wonder, wonder. You know how we're like really earnest. Wonder if we were also a little sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> but because they built up being so serious, yeah, this works because everyone's like, "Oh damn, this is kind of crazy." And they put their whole you you tussie into it, yes. it. If they did it half ass, yes. people would be like, "You they guys are posers." They cannot give less than one hundred and ten percent. It almost has like the like. Madchestery, like you know, um, Happy Mondays ish tone to I, it. I do think I don't think you can discount in the tone and the sound that at least the edge was going to um, like Ibiza oh, yeah. and dancing. I think some ecstasy was taken. If we're if we're being perfectly honest, I think at least one of them did some ecstasy before uh, getting into Octune Baby in, 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 in and around the Octune yeah. Baby. Listen for that's good. That's good info. I didn't know that the edge was a. Uh, he was like, he was getting into like trance music. Nice. Yeah, you can you hear you it. You can hear it, even if it is still very U two. It has that like yeah that tone. Yeah. The the Manchestery sheen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. I didn't realize up until this moment because I know we've talked about, um, you know, the summer of love, yeah. uh, and you know the bubbling up of club music mm-hmm. in England in the late 80s with like uh you know the Hacienda and like Paul Oakenfold and all those guys 
Right, yeah, in the in the aftermath of, of yeah. that afterglow, I should say. And you know what's what I'm pointing out specifically is that British people really needed ecstasy. They did. They really imagine imagine being like having like a British childhood and then finally you take the love drug and you realize, you know, we're all made of unconditional love and all you have to do is treat people it's, the way you want to be like, treated. It's the Thatcher eighties. Yes. It's like grey, everything from the World War Two is like falling apart. Shout out uh, whoever synthesized the uh, the MDMA. <laughs> they need they needed that real bad. They, they needed it more than we did. They needed it more than we did. Yeah, this was right around when like New Order is like wasted wasting all their money. It's recording that uh, their like techno album yeah, in Ibiza. Yeah. It's almost like they skipped the early 90s and went to the late 90s. Yeah. Octo Baby comes out and they uh, tour. They do the Zoo TV tour, mm. uh, which you know it's like got one Bono. Of the h- highest concept tours of it, of its time. Can cannot be understated how fucking cool that was. That they're like, you know, what what if we what if TV <laughs> what if <laughs> what if we what, hey we heard you like TV so we put TVs yes. in our concert so you can watch TV while you watch the concert. Uh, and Zoo, Zoo TV is the one with McFisto, right? Yeah, and so you've got uh, Bono dressed both as like this pleather pleather sunglasses rock star yeah. called the fly but then he also dresses like you know the literal de- the literal <laughs> devil which i realize you know everyone freaks out about sam smith uh, uh, yes we were, we've been joking about that since dress- the, uh, <laughs> sam smith at the body show what's that song name? unholy <laughs> unholy They are dressed like literally like Daffy Duck, dressed like the <laughs> devil in a Looney Tunes uh, uh, cartoon, yeah. and people people are like, they're doing Satanism he's, on TV, and we've Satan. just been like, Bono has been dressed as the devil. He dressed like in the like devil. Nineteen ninety one. It ma- it makes you truly want you know because there is probably some real real satanic shit out there. I mean, satanic shit is happening every day. It's just yes. the people you know. It's the people, called it's called the, the Congress. Yeah, it's called it's called US the United Congress. States of America. Um, but yeah, there. no, he's. The funny thing about Bono dressing like Mac Fisto is that he can't even keep that costume on. It's like he's allergic to being the devil. He it, takes the horns. He, he wears takes little the horns, horns off And then at a certain point, he takes the horns off. It's like he can't stand being a devilish little boy. <laughs> even, even, yeah, again, Driss is like a cartoon devil. He's like, no, 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 too evil. Too evil, too much. And he also, and also the, the other thing is, is he dresses the devil and his bit is like calling like, World leaders calling world leaders calling George H W Bush or like the premier of Australia getting or, yeah. getting a satellite link to Sarajevo yes. while it's like you know in in uh, bombs in, are going in, off you know, conflict yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know you can call it corny you can call it too much hey, over the swing. top big swing I think it's a big win 
you know, they're saying that they're out of step with the times and that they're not like a Nirvana or a Pearl Jam and they're not doing the grunge thing. But I would argue you need something like this. Yes. And it's a secret third thing. It's not the overblown hair metal. It's not that, Molly Crew. It's not Molly Crew and it's not Nirvana. It's a non-secret third thing. Yes. It's you two. Yes. I mean, it is. It's like they're... I guess guess you also have uh, on this level like New Order or like the Cure like coming out of like the British punk tradition yeah playing on this level but again nobody's doing it at the size scale and ambition that uh, that U2 is yeah it's entertaining they understand where the world is going it's going to screens it's going to global interconnectivity it's a (laughs) the globalist plot to uh, of U2 again it's because you don't really think of them this way because they're always off on kind of their own thing and especially now and again, we cannot overstate how much the uh, iPod thing was just cratered their reputation. Mm-hmm. But they're like among the most forward thinking of of bands, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, they're they've they've got their finger on the pulse, or at least uh, they're trying to. They're trying to keep their finger on the pulse, and I think they're they're doing a good job because they, you know, the the eighties was all about being you know, kind of uh, dour and, and sallow and like, oh, there's so much stuff going on. Everything is happening so much. Everything is happening so uh, much. And what can I do? And then the 90s is like, let's fucking be a little slutty and dance. <laughs> let's just have a glass of wine. Let's or be three. a little, I wonder if we're a little solipsistic. Yeah, I wonder wh- if we think about me. Yeah. What, what, what about, about enough about you? What about me? Um, meanwhile, uh, <laughs> uh Quote, the high Adam Clayton got off oxygen and cigarettes in Mount Temple had long since been replaced with stronger stuff. There's only one time, I believe, still maybe another time that U2 has played not in their full formation. Uh, he parties so hard in Sydney, Australia, that he misses misses the show. And afterward, he goes to rehab and he's been on the wagon ever since, Adam Clayton, uh, which I'm, I don't. It's not funny, but it is. Imagine. Sorry. Just. The bet an Australian style bender. Oh god, that's so bad. Can you imagine just surrounded by people who are like, "Oh yeah, Adam Clayton, you want another wine? <laughs> Have another beer." Beer. Yeah, just Clayton. like a beer bender. It's also so Australians know how to party. I mean, I know like this has happened to many people, but it is so like amazing imagining like getting so drunk you like sleep through. A U two your U appointment at the U two concert. Yeah, it makes me think about the epic hangovers that I've had in my day that I've still they at least managed you, to drag yes. my ass out of bed and like go to work. Even Miserable. When it's like a co op appointment or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you, that's one epic bender to literally not be able to get out of bed to play. Yeah, play like a, a stadium a show. Stadium show that I, it, I believe is supposed to be filmed for like a concert. Wow. I can't. I just can't. Uh, I I cannot even conceive of that level of uh, irresponsibility. I mean that's and I enjoy partying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know they're they're kind of on this speeding rocket ship still somehow after over a decade together. He says we hit a vein with boy at twenty. We hit another one at twenty six with the Joshua Tree. But we discovered a whole other seam to mine at thirty with Oxygen Baby. We weren't writing pop songs that everyone would remember in a hundred years like the Beatles. But we were creating a special feeling in our music. We were on a roll, and this was no time to stop. However, I feel like it should be time to stop with this episode, this episode part, part one, yes. uh, before we get into the you know '90s U2, uh, '2000s U2, and '20 God forbid '2010s U2. U2. Uh, and the spoiler alert is like the second part of this is like a lot of hanging out with Bill Gates. Right? There's, there's a lot more uh, political activism. Great. There's well, a lot I'm more to talk about that as bureaucracy. Well. There's a lot more. He basically describes he gets a new band. 
uh, besides you two and the band is people helping him, it's you like know, White read House policy papers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or hanging out with like, you know, Kennedys and Shrivers and <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, big, big, big swings happening in the in the Bonoverse. Yes. And he knows it. Boy does he know it. Uh Yes, we, lo- we we do love Bono, a very fascinating, fascinating person, as I feel like we've made clear. You know, out of all of that, um, one thing that I do think is interesting, because it's it's so easy to think of people at that level, you know, the the masters of the universe, the people in the high, high level of philanthropy, the Gateses, the Clintons, yeah. your Bonos, as like soulless freaks, but even he- hearing him like look over at Andrew- Angela Merkel and be like, geez, does she ever, doesn't she have a life? Implies that he knows that he has that he has a life. You oh know? Yeah. yeah, and like, and has the the awareness about that. It, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's that's why one of the things that it seems that I find Bono so interesting is it. See, he seems like a guy that could be contemptible, but he is not. Yeah. I don't. I I don't think you know. I mean, even he also like he, a smarmy. Everything's always gone right for him. Uh, his entire life and yeah and like he's out here like tell, telling people how they should be like more generous and stuff about yeah. like no he's a, it's not he's he's he means everything with it uh, he truly believe he's a true believer whole heart yeah he i don't i do not think yeah i don't think he's a scammer i don't think he's doing it for yeah gains beyond i think he genuinely i think he went to fucking ethiopia in the mid 80s and was like we need to do something. We we need we, we, we got to do something. That's <laughs> the you know the Russell Brand character and get him to the Greek who yeah. has a song called "We Got to Do Something." What you know? What Which are we is doing? Such a perfect parody of of all those all those things. Yeah, but guess what? We do we do got to do, <laughs> do something. What do we got to do? Somebody's got to say. Somebody's got to do something. And Bono, if if there's anything that Bono's gonna do, it is do something. Yeah. Anyway, we will be back with part two of this in fair. It won't be Soon. another like four months. We'll, no. we're just it'll be like next week. Yeah, or something. it'll be a week. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, thanks for listening. No calls to action. We're we're just hanging out. On- we're just, we're just chilling. You know what? I do have something to promote. I have a newsletter. <laughs> I have I have a newsletter. Okay, um, me Molly O'Brien. If you like music, this newsletter is for music enjoyers. It's just me writing about music, going to see live music, interviewing musicians and music type people, doing musical experiments. If you like any of that stuff, uh, you can go subscribe to my newsletter. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's The Molly Zone. It's T-H-E-M-O-L-L-Y-Z-O-N-E dot B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com. That's right. I'm using Beehive. I don't know. It's not Substack. I'm also doing a little feature in it where I ask uh, people that I know either in real life or on the internet or both for recommendations for songs to listen to. And then I listen to those songs and then I write about it. So we're getting a little interactive there too. Um, yeah, if you're listening to the, if you're listening to the end of this podcast, I think you might be a music enjoyer. So uh, subscribe to my newsletter. That's all. I don't even have any new podcasts coming out. <laughs> oh my god, which is amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, isn't it nice to just listen to something that just exists for you to enjoy? <laughs> it isn't nice. part of any other big thing. We're just vibing no Patreon, over here. No merch. No live shows. The, this is true podcasting at its current raw, form. Raw, real podcasting for the sake of podcasting. For the love of the game. We do it for the love of the game. Just like Bono and philanthropy. <laughs> just like Bono. We're just like Bono in that way. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, we'll leave it there. We'll okay. talk to you guys next week or something. Bye. Bye. Bye.